0: Our lives are unimportant. On your life, my life is important as anyone's. I've been uh, teaching. Middle school band. Uh, But on the weekends, I'm... You got a suit. Yeah, maybe. By then we'll know what it feels like. What does it feel like? You will find me a respectful, quiet, passive observer. Uh, Today, we're looking at a movie called Voyagers, a little bit of a sci-fi twist, and Johnny Graves is going to come and preach for us in just a minute. Before he comes... I'd invite you to watch this scene, the first scene of the movie Voyagers that lets you know about uh, a little bit of a problem that's going on on Earth. So watch the scene before Johnny comes. The blue indicates water. The red is oxygen. This is our best chance to find a habitable planet, one we can colonize and so ensure the survival of our species. With the deteriorating situation here on Earth, it's essential we send a scouting mission as soon as possible. The voyage there will take 86 years, so the crew will reproduce on board the ship and their grandchildren will be the ones who reach the planet. Well, here in the opening scene of Voyagers, we see our potential new home, our new planet to survive on. It's been found. As Earth has been decaying, we see that humankind needs a new planet to live on, and the time to go is now and to begin our new civilization. As you heard, the trip will take 86 years. The crew will be raised in isolation so that they will not miss Earth and all of its goodness as they voyage for such a long time. They will be accompanied by a man named Richard. He actually grew up, lived on Earth, all of it experiences, but he will go as the chief officer to oversee this mission to escape Earth and its destruction and to go live on a new flourishing planet. So a bunch of people on a tiny ship for 86 years. You think this trip is going to run smoothly without any problems? Probably wouldn't have made a movie if that was the case. but. Let me read a quick story that I think may affect this voyage to the new planet. We find it in Genesis 3. We read this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, dangerous statement, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths." So ever since this event, the universe became different. There began a ringing dissonance that has been heard by many that the earth, and even mankind itself, is not the way it should be. Deep in our inner beings, we recognize that the world we live in is not right and may not last forever. We see the decay, we see the destruction, And we see that it's not right. Once sin entered the world, creation began its groaning to be released from its bondage. And some see this as purely a physical problem that only affects the physical earth. And it can be solved. Things like climate change and death by means of science and medicine. Or if necessary, like we see in the movie, we can just escape it and go somewhere else. Start start a a new life somewhere. And that's what we see in the opening scene of Voyagers. But what's interesting is, in the movie Voyagers, they recognize that it might not just be a physical problem. I think they acknowledge that there is an internal problem with the crew. And how they choose to solve that problem is very intriguing. It sends an interesting message about good and evil, about what is right and what is wrong. Because so far in the first opening scenes of the movie, things are running smooth. The crew does what they're supposed to they're conflict-free they do the same routine every day you see them in the first few scenes they drink this little blue drink every single morning there's vitamins in it. it helps them each day but two of the main characters zach and christopher they find out something about this blue drink that they have every day and it's very interesting let's see what they find up there's a toxin in the irrigation water we'll replace the filter and test it again it's coming from us it's in our urine yeah it's from something we've eaten are we eating something toxic maybe toxic for a plant that relies solely on water but you're stronger than that what is it what's the chemical i don't know just change that filter Something we eat. Why would that be unavailable? you get past the firewall by connecting directly to the processor. It's the same way I got into the design plans. Mm-hmm. Try nutrition. It's not there. Is it some kind of vitamin? Maybe medication. The active ingredient in daily beverage, A.02. Combined with blue alkaline syrup to counter stomach irritation. Blue. It's the blue. The effect is enhanced when consuming it with food. What effect? I thought it was just an enzyme for digestion. Personality becomes dull and docile. Eliminates sexual desire and sensation. Decreased pleasure response. Decreased pleasure response? I want increased pleasure. (laughs) They're drugging us. What did they find? The blue drink reduces their pleasure, creates a dull personality, decreases sensation. They're being drugged. Why? To keep them conflict-free, to keep them focused on their mission, But I think it's interesting that they have attributed evil, sin, conflict to humanity's pleasure, humanity's desires. And I think we actually see that in Genesis 3. You see in the garden, what we read with Eve is that the tree was desired to make one wise. And that Hebrew word is hamad, which can be translated also as to take pleasure in. So what was originally probably the most pure genuine innocent pleasure that was found in God shifted once sin entered the world to a selfish self-serving corrupt by sin pleasure. And pleasure this is not just a romantic term but we can experience pleasure in all areas of life success in job sports school but that pleasure was downgraded once sin came into the world. And C.S. Lewis nails it when he says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak, too content with the small things in life when there's so much more. And Eve was willing to risk, Eve was willing to sin to achieve the pleasure that she desired. So I ask you, what area in your life are you willing to sin to achieve pleasure? Because when we do this, we hurt others. We hurt uh, hurt others and ourselves. And in this movie, they try to solve this sinful, selfish pleasure by drugging them and not allowing them to feel anything, by taking this blue drink. But when Zach and Christopher find this information out, they stop taking the blue drink. And their sin-stained desires overcome them. Bad, immoral decisions are made. And throughout this story, we'll see that to be true. And over the last couple of months, we've been exploring different worldviews and how it affects our lives. And today, the worldview of morality, what is right, what is wrong, how do we respond to those things, is in question here in the movie Voyagers. Because when it comes to this worldview, time and time again, what do we do when we make a wrong decision? We blame Someone else. We just want to live the way we want. In Genesis, we saw that. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. No one wants to take ownership and look at themselves. And we find that same problem in this story. And even in our own lives. And I believe we have a problem today blaming our failures and immoral decisions on something other than ourselves. We don't respond the right way. And I know the root of this problem you ready for this? The problem is an alien. It's an alien. I'm telling you. I know a lot of you are, where are the pastors? Get this guy off stage. I don't know what this guy's doing. Uh, but hang tight with me. I think I'm going to be able to convince you. I actually did my own version a year ago of this uh, meme that's been going around. Uh, <laughs> this was quarantine hair and all. Uh, so aliens, hang tight with me. I think I'm going to convince you. And even in the movie Voyagers, I think we're gonna see the same thing. But I don't think it's gonna be an alien in the way you may normally think. So when it comes to our immoral decisions, we as a culture respond to it wrongly in three ways. And we're gonna look at those three ways through this movie. We either flight, we fight, or we think. You know, there's that physiological response that we have, the flight or fight. Uh, I use those two and I add this third one that I think we often use, and th- which is think. And we're gonna explore these today and I hope by the end we can find a better way to respond, the gospel way. But before we dive in, let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a chance to worship you. And I just pray as we reflect on ourselves that we, you will open our eyes to who we are, but then also open our eyes to who we are in you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now if you remember in our story, Zach and Christopher found out this information about the blue drink. And they stopped taking it. Reduce, uh, that reduced their pleasure and sensation. So now they are experiencing the full effect of the sin-affected pleasure by selfish actions, leaving others hurt, sadly. And unfortunately, we do see Zach inappropriately touching another crew member later, causing drama, causing problems on the ship. And Richard, the chief officer, is trying to find Zach, trying to confront him about what happened, figured out why did this take place. And he runs into Christopher, while searching for him, and an interesting conversation follows. Let's hear what they say. Zack! Zach. Phoebe, hey, have you seen Zack? No, but I heard what he did. Has he done anything like that before? I don't know, but he stopped taking the blue. Are you sure? I saw him poured out. Christopher, you seen Zach? You heard what he did? And oh, you think that's OK? Yeah. Good. Glad to hear it. He's not taking the blue. Are you? Why would I? It's a drug. You're drugging us made a decision to administer medication to help with impulse control to prevent exactly this kind of thing from happening. It's the only way to deal with living like this. We didn't ask to be here. Nobody chooses what they're born into. But you have to find a way to live your life. You gotta decide what kind of person you want to be. You gotta try to be good. Why? Why? We're just going to die in the end, so why can't we do what we want? What's the difference whether we're good or not? There's a big difference. Well, I don't see it. Are we still doing the repair? Yeah. Come on. The first wrong response we see to this problem of morality, of poor decisions made, is flight. We run. We don't want to talk about what is right or wrong, so We just want to do what feels good. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Christopher is confronted to talk about this, about the bad decisions, and he wants nothing to do with it. His response, why? We're just going to die in the end. So why can't we just do what we want? Let me just go and be. I think many of us respond the same way in life. We're confronted about a bad decision we've made at home or work We just run. You know, don't put the mirror up to me. I don't want to look. And when we do this, we begin to live in ignorance. Our lives begin to be self-serving, and all we care about is ourselves. We begin to be inward-focused as opposed to outward focus, And we hurt others, like Zach did. And Paul speaks about this in Ephesians 4, when he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Ignorance is bliss. This saying, unfortunately, can only go so far. And Paul is wanting to warn the Ephesians that they must stop walking in ignorance. It's dangerous to just live life however we want and pretend all is good. Because when we do that, we find ourselves in the worst place we can possibly be apart from God. Because when it comes to what is right and wrong, there has to be groundwork to it. There has to be a basis for it. It can't just be everyone do what you want. I mean, did you hear Richard's reasoning as to why? just try and be good. Thanks. You know, that's going to solve our problem of morality today. Everyone just try. Try your hardest, you know, we'll we'll make it happen. Everything, all the evil will go away. Just try. But when it comes to what is right and wrong, and when we say we just want to do what we want, it's tough for us to accept that that can't be true. And there's two reasons why. One, it means we're not in charge. And two, we might be wrong. And we don't like either of those things. So instead, we run. Instead, we respond with flight. So what conversations are you having in your life right now that you're fleeing from? Maybe there's a situation in your life, you're avoiding a certain conversation because you know you might be wrong. You, might, you know you might have made a wrong decision, but you don't want to talk about it, so we flee. And when we do these things, we not only hurt ourselves, but we hurt others And we see this to be true on board the ship. And unfortunately, Christopher's words of doing whatever we want becomes their story of reality. Yet, instead of experiencing joy, peace, love, it's actually the downfall to its crew and mission when they begin to do whatever they want. You see, during a routine fix of the ship, the chief officer, Richard, dies from an unknown electrical default. They don't know what caused it. They're trying to figure it out, and maybe it was a malfunction, maybe it was this dark external force, or Zach suggests maybe it was possibly an alien. There it is. Hang tight. (laughs) But what follows the death of Richard becomes pure chaos. The rest of the crew begins to stop taking this blue drink, and they all become wild, with this sin-stained, selfish pleasure. Fighting, sex, jealousy, the all board the ship and take over the crew members, and it becomes a zoo. Their mission becomes diluted with zeal for experiencing all these feelings. And after some time, Christopher has had enough. There is a crazy fight between two crew members, and Christopher wants to get things back in order. Let's get back to the mission. But Zach's pleasure for control and power erupts. He says this, he says, who cares about the rules? We are strong, we can do what we want, we can kill this alien. He's trying to convince everyone that it really was an alien that killed Richard that day. And he rallies up some people to join him and sides have been created. Enemies are forming. And later on, Christopher And his team, they actually find out what actually happened and how Richard died that day. What they found was Zach was in the control room. And during the routine fix, Zach sent an electrical shock and killed Richard on purpose. And the whole crew is watching the video being played before them all. And they found out that it was no alien that killed Richard, but it was Zach. And Zach's response is very interesting, one I think we may see often today. Let's see how he responds. It's true. I did it. I killed him. I did it... for you. I did it to protect you. I did it because I saw the alien in him. The alien was in Richard. And then Christopher brought it inside. That's not true. He shouldn't have. He knew something was wrong, but he did it anyway. He brought the alien into the ship. Just watch the rest of the video. You'll see his lying. I killed Richard to protect the crew, but now the alien's inside the ship somewhere. We need to find out where so we can stop him, so we can kill him. That's right. We'll kill it. We'll take back control. We've been drugged and betrayed and programmed by liars, but we're not going to follow the program anymore. We can't escape this life, but we won't just lay down and give up. We won't be afraid. We won't be terrorized. We'll fight back, we'll find it. There's nothing to find. Where is it now? First, it was inside Richard. Now maybe it's hiding in someone else. One of you. Could be you. Or you. For you, we'll kill it. Yes, we'll find it. You, kill it, kill it. For you, You you. 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 for him. The next wrong response we see is fight. Zach blames Richard's death, not upon himself, even when there's video footage of him doing it. It was the alien. He shifts the blame to something else. Now they must kill, now they must fight the alien, and when that happens, the ship will be free of all of its evil. And I think we actually as a culture believe that to be true. Let's just get rid of all the people that have an alien in them, all the evil people. If we just kill them all, fight them all, then we will experience world peace. I mean, that's what every empire believes to be true. That's why one empire defeats another. It's always someone else that has the problem. I mean, look what, right now what's happening across the globe with the Taliban right now. One group of people believes the other group is evil, that they have the alien in them, so they respond with fight. Kick them out, get rid of them, then we'll have peace. But this doesn't work, though. It never has. It never will. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. speaks on this well. He says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Fighting and killing won't remove the problems, the evil you believe exists. It only furthers it. And Zach refuses to take a look at himself and he chooses to blame someone else. And we've been warned a long time ago about this by the words of Jesus in Matthew 7 when he says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? So many people can't come to grips to the actions they make. And instead of owning up to them, we look to someone else who might be worse off or making worse decisions than us. Look how bad they are. Let's focus on them, blame them, instead of trying to take responsibility for ourselves. We don't want to admit that there might be something wrong with us or that there might be an alien inside me. So I ask you, who are you trying to fight, or as our culture says, cancel, to make yourself look better? Because when we do that, it's just a continuous cycle. Because once we do it to someone... There'll just be someone else down the road. We have to do it next to make ourselves look better. The cycle doesn't end until we look inside ourselves. And sadly, the crew refuses to look at themselves too. They keep blaming others. They keep fighting others. And later on, Zach and his crew locates a compartment full of weapons, and they track and pin down Christopher and his crew, looking like there will be one last fight to end this evil. But before that happens, the voice of reason appears. I think this is the last way we respond wrongly. That is the, re- the response of think, One our Western society, I think, so strongly values. Let's just talk it through. Let's come up with something together. Let's see how the crew responds to that idea. Have you all gone crazy? Have you? Don't you see? All of this is against our nature. This is not who we are. This is who we are. But we don't have to act this way. We can think. We can decide to be different. Shut up, you genetic defect. We can decide which is better. Shut up. Shut up. Let me speak! We're trying to make sense here, and you are not listening. Shut up. 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 Which is better, to have rules and agree, or to run wild and fight? To run wild. Do you want to listen to reason and figure out a plan? or? Sadly, the voice of reason is shut down. But what she was crying for was for them to sit, to think through, to overcome this nature of evil. And that's possible if we're just smarter. We just think through this. Their nature of blaming others can be thrown away and we can accomplish our mission. But this is our Western philosophy today, that we can accomplish world peace. We can accomplish our mission by thinking and reason and education. If you remember last week, Pastor Dave spoke deeply On this topic, America's history shows education went from faith-based to secular-based. Education became our God. Education became the answer to solve all of our problems. And if we do that, there will be less evil in the world. And that's what's taught here. Think harder, put into practice some valuable methods, and then we can remove the alien. If we just establish order, institute a noble government, that is when we will have success in life, and flourish and there will be no more evil. I've never found that to be true. I, I've looked up history books and I can't find a government that has been able to eliminate evil. And it's such a lie we've bought into today in our Western thinking that if the good laws are in place, the evil will be gone from our society, all will be well. Like if we make, make certain things illegal, the evil will go along with it. No government can eliminate evil, no rule no ruler can remove sin by establishing laws that wouldn't make our country more Christian, more righteous. And this is not to say that government, laws, or coming together and thinking through things is evil or that it's wrong or that we shouldn't care about these things. But what we have to stop doing is setting them up to achieve something that they were never meant to achieve. If we put all our hope in them to achieve that, we'll just find ourselves constantly bitter and upset. The sad thing is the church has bought into this lie as well. We believe if certain biblical laws are in place in our government, people will be more righteous. Our country will be more Christian. But it can't do that. It can't do that. And Paul actually says it's the opposite in Romans 7. He says, I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. The law only proved to be death to me. Yet, for some reason, so many of us thinks it makes us alive and righteous and more Christian. For example, if the government all of a sudden made getting drunk illegal, it wouldn't make our country more Christian, more righteous. First of all, no one's probably really going to follow that law. Like, let's be honest here. Like, Probably not. Like all of a sudden on Friday nights, people are going to say, you know what? Just one IPA tonight. I'm good. I can't have more than that. Don't want to break the law. If it's a double, let's go halves. That person's more accepted by God, more righteous in his eyes. No. And second, even if they did that, they wouldn't make them more righteous before the eyes of God. And we aren't the first ones to believe this lie. When I read the Gospels, I see the Pharisees also believed it. That if they instituted, mandated these laws and rules and strictly live by them, when God looks at them, they will be righteous. The alien will be removed. So I ask you, do you look to the law to make one righteous? Because I wonder how Jesus wanted to make us righteous. You know, because when Jesus came, he didn't come to establish Christian law in the Roman Empire. Jesus didn't come to overthrow the Roman Empire. Jesus didn't come to run in the next ballot box on the next election. That's not how he was going to respond with this problem of morality and evil. What did he do? Jesus gave up his power. Jesus surrendered his life. And what he told his disciples was this, lay down your sword. Lay down your sword. Why? Because my kingdom is not of this world. So stop focusing and putting all your emotions, all your passion into the one you're temporarily living in and start focusing on the one that you will live in eternally. I want you to preach about a better kingdom, the eternal one. That's why I'm here. And this is where we find the truth about the alien, that an alien does exist, It's not an external force that can be fled from, we can't run away from it. It's not an external force that can be fought, we can eliminate it. And it's not even one that can be reasoned with. It's an internal alien in each and every one of us. And that's what they got wrong in this movie Voyagers. They never did solve that problem. They never solved the alien problem. So as the movie ended, they eventually made it to this new planet, but it was so anticlimactic The reason is that the evil destruction from Earth they were hoping to leave and flee from, they only brought it with them to the new planet. It wasn't hopeful. What we'd expect on this new planet would not be any different than what we are experiencing right now. We have to stop acting as though all of our problems are purely physical or an objective problem that we can solve. Because solving some of Earth's physical problems will not prevent us from dying. Finding a cure to a certain sickness does not save you from dying one day. Instituting certain rules does not remove the evil from within everyone. It only presents what's already there. And with the movie Voyagers, all we would see is just sequel after sequel. The problem will only follow them to this planet and the next one and the next one. Unless they truly solve this problem that the internal alien needs to be resolved the problem of sin that resides in each and every one of us has to be fixed and how do we get rid of that we must look outside ourselves to remove something within ourselves and we read that good news in romans 8 where paul says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I mean, look at these powerful statements Paul is making here. First, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. we watch this movie Voyagers, we see the things that people are doing and we want to condemn them right away. But we're right there with them. We're making mistakes, we're making failures and we can't escape from it no matter what planet we go to. But Paul says, if you're in Christ, that condemnation is removed. Jesus does not condemn you. Then Paul later says, we are set free From the law of sin and death. We no longer need to enslave ourselves to the law to become righteous in God's eyes. It's not possible. We can't raise the law to an unhealthy level of making someone more righteous and more Christian. It was never meant to do that. Jesus makes us righteous. Rest in that fact. Remind yourself of the truth that it was Jesus all along, the gospel. Of grace that makes us righteous before God's eyes because of what He accomplished on the cross for you. We could never do that. He killed the alien inside us on the cross that day, setting us free. That gospel is real, it is true. It is here for you to accept today. We must surrender our lives before Him to let Him do what only He can. And only then, once that alien is removed, then this problem of morality, of good and evil, can be resolved. So submit to the Lord. Let him transform you the way nothing else can. And only the gospel and Jesus can do that. So let Jesus do his work. Let Jesus do his work. I'm going to invite the worship team up now as we close in prayer. God, we thank you for opening our eyes to who we are, that we're sinful, we make failures, make mistakes. And no matter how far we go, how far we travel, we can't run away from it. We can't fight it. We can't think it through and fix it. Unless we have you, Jesus. So we thank you and praise you that you have created a way when there was no way And that only you can bring true peace in our world. So we pray that today, Lord, that we let you do the work inside each and every one of us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.